I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Story time. It was the summer of 2005, and I had been living in a small town about two hours west of the city for a few years. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Years. My life was simple and I spent most of my free time exploring the surrounding forests, hiking trails, and parks. I had befriended the local park ranger, a kind and knowledgeable man named Tom, who taught me about the area's flora and fauna, and shared my interest in the supernatural. One day, as I was driving through Love's Park on Riverside, I experienced something truly bizarre. Out of nowhere, something large and dark flew over my car, casting a shadow that momentarily blotted out the sun. As I squinted to catch a glimpse of what it could have been, I heard something say my name very loudly, as if it came from inside my car. I swerved in surprise, narrowly avoiding an accident, and pulled over to the side of the road. After catching my breath and calming my racing heart, I decided to keep this strange experience to myself, not wanting to be labeled a lunatic. Fast forward to the fall of 2009. I had moved into an apartment complex on the outskirts of town, nestled between a sprawling forest and a peaceful lake. One evening, I stepped outside for a cigarette and looked up at the sky, enjoying the crisp autumn air. Suddenly, a massive creature with an enormous wingspan flew over the building, 
barely 20 feet above the rooftop. It looked like a pterodactyl from a prehistoric era, and my mind raced back to that day in Love's Park. I stared in disbelief as the creature disappeared into the distance. The following day, I decided to confide in Tom, the park ranger, about my sightings. We met for a cup of coffee at a local diner, and I recounted my experiences in detail. To my surprise, Tom listened intently and didn't dismiss my story as the ramblings of a madman. Instead, he shared a theory that he had been secretly researching, that the creature I had seen was the infamous Chicago Mothman. Intrigued by the possibility, we spent the next few months poring over historical records, news articles, and eyewitness accounts of similar sightings in the area. As we dug deeper into the mystery, we uncovered a pattern of unusual occurrences and unexplained phenomena that stretched back decades. We even spoke to other witnesses who had encountered the creature and heard their harrowing stories. As the years went by, Tom and I continued our investigation into the Chicago Mothman, always searching for answers, and always just one step behind the elusive creature. Our quest became an obsession, a bond that connected us and fueled our curiosity. And though we never managed to capture definitive proof of the Mothman's existence, the memories of our encounters with the unknown still haunt us to this day. Every time I read a new story about the Chicago Mothman, I can't help but think back to that summer day in Love's Park and that autumn evening outside my apartment. And I wonder, will I ever come face to face with the creature again? Or will it forever remain a mystery, a dark shadow that flits across the sky and whispers my name from the depths of the unknown? I'm a ranger currently. And before this, I had another job at a different park. That will probably never step foot in. After what I experienced there last year. For the record, it's very busy. During the day, I got a lot of visitors. And did a lot of walkthroughs and tours. My favorite part about the job was, everybody left at night. I would have the park all to myself. I was the only one working that shift. I love nature. I'm the happiest when I'm outside, so this was the perfect job for me. One day, I had had this older lady come in and ask a tour. She was by far the nicest I'd met, and she seemed to enjoy my company for some reason. She stalled the tour as much as she could. Called me a child the entire time when seeing something or making a statement or a question. That seemed sweet to me. She was just so sincere. And to share my same passion was wonderful. She told me later, I realized we pretty much felt the same way about nature. And even had a very similar connection. I felt something warm about this lady that I could not really describe it, but I didn't mind spending the entire day showing her around. As it got darker, she was beginning to get sad, and I asked her about it. She told me that she was sad about her time with me passing, and I told her she can come here anytime if she wanted to and talk. She thanked me said that she hopes that she will have a chance to come again. In her voice and eyes, I saw that somehow she believed she would never see me again after that night. It was overall sad, and I wondered if she had a disease or something and was dying, but I thought it rude to ask, so I didn't. She said she wanted to show me something and took me to the last part of the park. And there was this beautiful fountain. She told me how the fountain was made of marble. And it was probably the most beautiful fountain that will ever be built, because it was built by her grandfather and she loved very much. When she was a little girl, she would often come to the edge and look at the water, imagining what her life would end up like. But she never hoped it would turn out like it did. She was very calm and seemed like she was at peace with everything around her and inside of her. I couldn't believe somebody could be that peaceful. Although I told her I would be happy if she came around here more often, the sadness in her eyes remained. She took my face in her hands, told me she was proud of me. That it turned out just the way she could have hoped. That kind of confused me, but I didn't want to ask. She said it was time to say goodbye. I went behind the fountain. I followed her to see where she was going, but nobody was there. Now I was weirded out. I didn't know where this old lady had disappeared to. 
I asked the guy at the reception of an older lady with her description had left, and he said no. No older women had came in today at all. The whole thing was extremely weird, but I ignored it, went on with my day. Now, fast forward two months later. I was looking through my mom's photo album. And I saw a picture of the old lady. I was shocked and asked my mother who that was. What she told me made me question my reality and my memory to this day. She said that she was my great-grandmother. I still believe that something unexplainable happened to me. The next day I quit my job. If I ever saw that fountain again, I would ask about it. And I'm too afraid to find out if what that woman told me is true. I reside in this general area. About one year ago, I was driving through the town of Barrington Hills northwest of Chicago. As I drove east around maybe 6 630, it was dawn and light began to emerge from the east as sunrise. I proceeded east on 62 Palatine Road and saw some gigantic flying in the sky, almost staying and keeping up with the night that was departing. The creature definitely changed directions and appeared to be like a plane. I knew it wasn't because of how slow it seemed to go at times. I tried to get a picture with my cell but it was fruitless. Too far. But 100%, here is a creature aloft here or some party that has some 2023 flying suit platform that is huge. It was big enough for me to see and it was 5 plus miles away. Chasing the horizon west. Growing up, I always wanted to be like my father. Brave and courageous, always fighting against wrong and instilling good or trying to. He was a police officer, and from a very tender early age, I decided that was the path I was going to continue on to. Carrying a real weapon everywhere, you know the fantasy of beating up bad guys and robbers. Maybe it wasn't my father who had influenced me to be an officer. Maybe it was more the action movies we used to watch like Die Hard and things like that. Anyways, fast forward and I'm 22 years old, a newly appointed rookie officer. Patrol duty near Emily Bridge in Vermont, it was a very popular tourist attraction, but not because of its beauty, because of the creepy urban legend surrounding it. This 50-foot-long bridge is said to be the site of a young woman's self-harm in the mid-1800s. According to legend, the woman, Emily, was supposed to meet her lover at the bridge to elope. However, she ended up hanging herself from the rafters when he never showed. Now it's believed that Emily's ghost scratches at cars, it crosses pedestrians, and sometimes just appears in front of them in her ghastly evil form. I don't believe in such superstitions and legends, people have committed s in many places. How come the whole world is not haunted with their spirits? So it was a Saturday morning, the time of my duty right near the bridge. I was patrolling alongside my partner, a 39-year-old officer whose name I will not mention. 20 years of experience and a lot of stories on how he saved the world, apparently. He's so talkative, my head ached from listening to him over and over. I tried joining him off by playing Grease 2 in my head and eating my roll which I bought street food. During patrolling is the best, my partner also had a role, but God forbid he quietly eat and stop talking. He's narcissistic and so self-obsessed, he even talks with his mouth full. During one of his abnormally long stories about how he had apparently saved a woman from being kidnapped, we heard a shrill scream. It seemed that a woman was screaming, but what most shook me was the pure terror that could be heard in her voice. We quickly geared up a walk toward the sound of the scream, which was apparently under the Emily Bridge. As soon as we reached there, I saw a sight which I'll probably won't ever be able to forget. A man lying on the ground moaning in pain as his back bled and a pool of blood was forming underneath him, while a woman was being strangled by a white shimmery thing. When my partner and I both stopped, the white thing stopped strangling that woman and turned around. It was a ghost the ghost of a woman, probably Emily from the legend. It stopped and disappeared, it gave us this creepy cackle and quickly disappearing. We stood shaken for a moment because what on earth, 
but then went towards the distressed couple lying traumatized. I checked if the man was lying on the ground while my partner checked on the quietly sobbing woman. Thankfully, the woman was not hurt, so I called my partner to help me pick up the man and quickly get away from under the bridge, lest that Emily ghost comes again. How would this be able to happen, even guns wouldn't affect a ghost. After coming away from the bridge, I laid the guy in the back seat of my car and took out my first aid kit, while my partner phoned an ambulance. The woman, poor her, she was traumatized, asking if her boyfriend would be alright. He was bleeding badly, and my partner tried to console her, but she just could not stop sobbing. It was a terrifying thing being attacked, I wouldn't blame her so much for crying. I would have done it too. We tried asking her what happened, but she couldn't speak so much to tell what happened. When the ambulance arrived, we put the couple in it and sent them on their way to the hospital. We basically told our story to our supervisor, who laughed in our face and didn't believe me, even my experienced partner. At first, but we luckily had our cameras on us and had recorded the entire thing. Although the ghost of Emily was invisible in the recording, which is creepy, we could see the bleeding man and the being just flying in the air while clutching her neck where the hands of the ghost had been. Our supervisor was very quiet asked us to do a follow-up with the couple and ask them about what happened there to make sure their stories added up. We waited till the next day before checking up on them. You obviously need some time to accept what happened and come out of that traumatized state. The next morning, we left for the hospital where the couple was currently in. We asked them how they had been and if they were feeling better. They were better physically, but emotionally they were still dealing with the repercussions of what happened. Upon asking what happened under the bridge, the woman told us that they were just making out when this being appeared. This white apparition formed around her boyfriend and tried to throw him off the bridge. He fought her back when she proceeded to attack, preventing him and her from leaving. I don't know when the woman tried to save her boyfriend by trying to drag him away and throw him off the bridge, this thing began choking this girl. It's completely wacko, right? While this thing was choking her is when we had appeared, as she profusely thanked us for saving their lives. Suggested that we should close the underside of the bridge. And safe to say, I did not expect this to happen when I applied for working as an officer. I understand this probably sounds like some cheesy creepy story, but I promise things happen on the job that are far more unquestionable than disturbing to say the least and stories like this get concealed from the public far more often than you would ever imagine. Last summer, I decided to spend two weeks with my grandfather at his old house. He was always a fascinating character, full of stories and wisdom, and I looked forward to spending time with him. However, I also knew that he often claimed to see ghosts around the house, especially coming from the room I would be sleeping in. I tried to brush it off as just one of his eccentricities. One night, after an evening filled with my grandfather's captivating stories, I went to bed, feeling a bit uneasy. I couldn't shake off the feeling that something was off, but I attributed it to my overactive imagination. Eventually, I drifted into a light, restless sleep. As I lay there, half asleep, I suddenly felt a finger poke me hard in the arm, twice. The sensation was so real that I jolted awake, my heart pounding in my chest. I quickly scanned the room, expecting to find my grandfather playing a prank on me or something. But the room was empty, and my grandfather was snoring peacefully in his own bedroom down the hall. I tried to convince myself that it was just a dream or a muscle spasm, but the strange sensation in my arm persisted making it impossible for me to dismiss what had just happened. I lay awake for the rest of the night, feeling scared and vulnerable, with every creak and groan of the old house making me jump. For the remainder of my stay, I couldn't shake off the fear that something supernatural was lurking in the house. Every time my grandfather casually mentioned seeing ghosts in the house, I felt a chill run down my spine. I tried to laugh it off, but the memory of that night haunted me. Eventually, my two weeks with my grandfather came to an end, and as much as I loved him and enjoyed our time together, 
I couldn't help but feel relieved to be leaving the house and its unsettling presence behind. Even now, when I think back to that summer, I can still feel the ghostly finger poking me in the arm, and I can't help but wonder if my grandfather's stories were more than just tales to entertain his grandchildren. Working at a hunting retreat in northern Canada was an experience I'll never forget. The solitude, the wilderness, and the sense of adventure made it an incredible place to be. I was the cook for the hunting lodge, and it was my job to prepare hearty meals for the hunters after a long day out in the wilderness. One early morning, I was walking from my cabin to the kitchen, ready to start my day. The air was crisp and cold, and a fresh blanket of snow had fallen overnight. It was so quiet that the only sound was the crunching of the snow beneath my boots. As I reached the kitchen, I realized I had left my apron behind in my cabin. Sighing, I turned back to retrieve it, trying to shake off the chill that had settled in my bones. That's when I saw them, large, unmistakable footprints in the snow, leading right up to the door. They were much bigger than any human footprints, and the stride was far longer than any person could take. My heart raced as I realized that something, or someone, had been following me as I walked to the kitchen. The thought of Bigfoot, a legend that had been passed around campfires for generations, crossed my mind. But that couldn't be possible, could it? I hurried back to my cabin, grabbing my apron and returning to the kitchen as quickly as possible. I couldn't shake the feeling of being watched, and I kept glancing nervously over my shoulder as I made my way through the snow. After that day, we all decided it was best to start doing things in pairs. The footprints had shaken us to our core, and we couldn't ignore the possibility that something was lurking in the wilderness around us. Even though we never saw any more signs of the mysterious creature, the memory of those footprints stayed with us, a chilling reminder that we were not alone out there. The legend of Bigfoot became a staple in our conversations, and we spent many nights huddled around the campfire, sharing stories and speculating about the creature that had left its mark on our lives. Though I still can't say for sure what it was that followed me that morning, the experience left me with a newfound respect for the untamed wilderness and the mysteries it holds. I sleep sitting partially up and I can see the door to the bedroom clearly. I awoke to a bright light under the door, originating in the hall beyond. The door opened and in walked several, I am not sure of the exact number, squat figures. They were silhouetted by a bright light in the hall. They were dark blue slash gray with large, blocky heads and virtually no neck. Their faces were heavily furrowed. They stood three to four feet tall and wore something that looked like monk robes that were very dark gray. When they entered the room, I became paralyzed. They stood around the bed even on the other side where my wife was asleep. I tried to call out to her but I couldn't make a sound due to my paralysis. I sleep with a CPAP machine, mask and air hose, for sleep apnea. One of the figures removed the mask from my face. Another pulled the covers back off of me. They raised their arms and I floated up out of the bed, lying flat now. I floated above their heads toward the door. As I began to float out the doorway, I lost consciousness. The next thing I remember is floating above their heads back into the room toward the bed. I was angry, very angry, and with great effort, I began to thrash about a little. For some reason, they had difficulty controlling me through my anger. One of the figures on the far side of the bed next to my wife knocked something over on the dresser, but immediately righted it and put it back where it belonged. They regained control of me. They successfully floated me back into bed and pulled the covers back over me. They then retreated from the room. After they closed the door, the light went out and all was quiet. I regained my senses and found myself lying in bed without my CPAP mask on. I looked at the clock and it was 5.53 am. I got up out of bed, feeling both frightened and angry at the same time. I got up out of bed and started my day. In the morning my wife said that she had been up three times to go to the bathroom during the night which is unusual for her. 
She usually only gets up once and rarely remembers much about it. I searched the internet and was not able to find any pictures or drawings that resemble the figures. Then I bought a reference book and found an almost identical drawing. I was deer hunting behind my great-grandmother's house, she was 103 at the time. I always got in my deer stand very early and would fall asleep with my cell phone in my hand with the alarm set on vibrate, for sunrise. Anyway, I was suddenly awoken and checked the time, two minutes before alarm would go off, then I looked into the field, which decades ago was my great-grandmother's vegetable garden and at the far left corner saw a figure that looked to me like a little lady standing there with a garden hoe in her hand. It wasn't scary at all, very calming actually, even when it suddenly disappeared. I proceeded with the hunt and when I met my uncle in the woods to walk out he asked me if I had seen anything and I jokingly answered yeah I saw a ghost and he looked st me sideways but then we both laughed and started walking. As soon as we get out of the woods we notice that there are more people at Great Ma's house and as it turns out she had passed away at 6.12 that morning. My uncle and I have been so close this that day because he swears that I have a sixth sense. When I was in sixth grade, our class went on an outdoor education trip to a camp in the woods. I think the teachers and counselors really enjoyed scaring us kids while we were there. The pinnacle of our fright-filled experience was on a cold fall night when we all gathered around a giant bonfire. Our teacher had been telling campfire stories all night. Some were funny, some were scary, and some were just plain boring. We were starting to get worn out from all the stories when our teacher began to tell us about a mountain man who once roamed these very woods. According to the tale, this mountain man would walk through the forest at night, hunting game for various reasons. Rumor had it that you could still hear him walking through the woods to this day, all you had to do was listen closely to the sounds of the forest. Just as our teacher finished setting the scene, we suddenly saw a bright flash followed by an earth-shattering bang of a musket. Out of nowhere, this huge, wild-looking mountain man came barreling into our campsite, yelling and hollering at the top of his lungs. We all screamed in terror as he stormed through our midst, and then, just as suddenly as he appeared, he vanished into the darkness of the night. As if that experience wasn't terrifying enough, our teacher then decided to tell us one last story with almost no effort or care. He told us about a woman who had lost her child, who was about our age, in these very woods hundreds of years ago. It just so happened that tonight was the anniversary of the child's disappearance, and it had been reported that sometimes the ghostly figure of the woman could be seen peering into the cabins during our stay. My heart sank as I realized that my bed was positioned right next to a window in our cabin. As I lay there that night, I couldn't shake the fear that at any moment, I might see the ghostly woman searching for her lost child. Every creak, every rustle of leaves, Every shadow seemed to suggest her presence just outside my window. Needless to say, I didn't sleep much that night or for the rest of our stay at the camp. While I knew deep down that the stories were probably just meant to scare us, I couldn't help but feel a lingering sense of unease, wondering if maybe, just maybe, there was a kernel of truth to the tales we had heard around that campfire. When I was in high school, my friends and I would occasionally drive out into the desert outside of Phoenix to a secluded area known to locals as the ravine. Essentially, the ravine was a massive man-made hole with perfectly flat walls running down all four sides, so deep into the ground that it was hard to see the bottom. The walls had no ledges, making it nearly impossible to climb in or out of. Picture a giant square-shaped well in the middle of the desert. One moonlit night, we were all gathered around the hole, drinking and partying, as we tended to do from time to time. We were tossing rocks and beer cans down the ravine when suddenly, we all heard something strange. It sounded like it was coming from somewhere deep in the bottom of the hole. Our flashlight provided little help, as it was just too deep to see all the way to the bottom. I immediately assumed it was a bird or, possibly, some other animal that had fallen in 
but I wasn't sure. Suddenly, we heard whatever this thing was coming up the other side. But how? There is no way a bear or a deer or a bobcat or any four-legged animal could climb that thing unless it was a spider. That's the thing. We saw it. We saw it. The best way to describe it, you know the black Spider-Man? The evil Spider-Man? The one in the black? That's what it looked like. It looked like a human. Whatever it was, it had arms and it had legs. And it ran in a diagonal motion, in a zigzag motion, and it ran up. It shifted to the side and zigzagged back and ran up again. I swear to God, I have no idea what it was. It definitely wasn't a person. I can tell you that. There's no way a bear or any other animal could get up that unless it had wings. Okay, there's nothing to grab onto. I know it was real. I saw it. As it crawled up, rocks and sand were falling. It made noises. The actual thing didn't make noises, but rocks and the sand that fell made noises. We freaked out. The thing zigzagged out, and when it got to the top, it took off, and we couldn't see it anymore. We just looked at each other and said, it's time to go. Let's go. And we all took off. I don't know what it was. I don't have a clue, but it was weird. When I was 11, I was friends with this girl who lived alone with her mom in this massive old Victorian house. It was gorgeous, wood floors, fireplaces in every room, and heavy doors with window things at the top. She had told me her house was super haunted, but I figured she only thought that because of how old it was. So we're playing Barbies in her room. It's just her, one other girl, and me. Her mom is across the house sewing. They decide to go into the kitchen and make macaroni and cheese. I want to keep playing, so I stayed alone in her room. I watched them leave the room, and since the door was super heavy, I clearly heard it shut. The floors creaked as they walked into the kitchen. I could faintly hear them talking because the window thing was open above the door. To set the scene, I'm sitting on the floor with my back to the fireplace, doing my Barbie thing. On her mantle, she has like a dozen or so American Girl dolls lined up all perfect. About 10 minutes go by. I was still playing when I heard the door open. They were back from the kitchen. The girl who lives there immediately lays into me saying, that's not funny. You know I'm freaked out about the house and ghosts. I have no idea what they're talking about. Then I looked at the mantle. Every single one of the doll's arms were in the air. They refused to believe I didn't do it, and I still get goosebumps thinking about it. I grew up in rural Pennsylvania and have spent most of my life here. I've been hiking all over the state at least once a week every week since I began driving at 16. But all across the many state parks, I have spent thousands of hours hiking in the woods. I've had three strange encounters now since the summer of 2022, almost as if a door has been opened since the first one. The story I'm sharing today is the most recent thing that happened to me and my two buddies last Saturday night. It completely traumatized me. My two lifelong friends and I went on a spur-of-the-moment night hike Saturday night. I haven't hiked at night for nearly two years I used to hike alone all the time, but hiking with these two guys made us all feel bold. We were hiking near the part of the Appalachian Trail where we grew up in Duncanon and the at runs through the town. There's a ridge next to the town with a very popular hiking vista called Hawk Rock. At the base of the mountain, there's a creek that flows into the Susquehanna River and a road that follows this creek back into the woods for about a mile and a half. It leads to Boy Scout camp shelters and water wells, follows the creek around a bend, and then ends where the road ends. We have a low-key camping site that follows an easy-to-miss trail that continues past the road and goes into the woods another couple hundred of yards. We're about two and a half miles from the car. We're sitting there talking about Sasquatch and encounters. Both of my friends have ever had an encounter. This night was totally dark, with no moon. We couldn't see each other side by side without a flashlight and it was dead quiet. In hindsight, it seems weird. 
There are normally lots of frogs along that creek. I've been at this campsite about two dozen times and never had anything happen to us there. We're talking about missing 411 and my two previous encounters. One friend has never heard the Sierra sounds and my other friend told me not to play them. I made two tree knocks then we played the Sierra sounds in total darkness. On cue, not even a minute went by, and a huge rock splashed into the creek about 30 yards away from the direction of our trail and the only way out. I was already on my feet. I've thrown many rocks into creeks, rivers, and lakes and that rock was large. It made that whoop sound of breaking the water and crashing into the creek bed. Immediately, we felt that sense of dread and danger. Then it happened a second and a third time, back to back. I said we need to get the F out of here right now. We were 100% sober. I've been up and down that creek by kayak, trail, and fishing. It's one of the few areas in Pennsylvania that doesn't have beavers. I've never seen a beaver or signs of beavers anywhere along that creek. I've heard beaver tail slaps, and it didn't sound like that at all. It was loud and scared the crap out of us. It was so close to us that it didn't seem like just a coincidence. We packed our bags up at hammocks in less than a minute and started walking out in the direction of these splashes. We got parallel to where it happened, maybe 30 seconds later. The creek was 5 feet to our left. There was a fog over the creek. We couldn't see the other side but there was nothing over there but woods. Then it happened a fourth, a fifth, and a sixth time. Loud splashes of large rocks crashed into the water right next to us. I was on point. We're going through this trail with the brush to our right and the creek to our left dark. We weren't speaking to each other. We stuck together and were only focused on getting out. We got back to the road and we were practically jogging back toward the car. We were saying that was weird and was too close and too conveniently timed. We continued down this road and got a mile away from where it happened. The road was maybe 50 feet from the creek now and a little bit higher up, but still parallel to the creek and completely silent. So quiet that you could hear a pin drop. We began to feel like we were okay now. But then it happened again. A large loud splash in the creek below is perfectly parallel to us. The sense of danger was palpable and we could feel it around us. Something was on the other side of the creek mirroring us. The problem was there are no trails, no houses, nothing but woods over there. Whatever it was over there was keeping pace with us silently without light or without a trail and we could feel it. We got to the end of the road and two kids were walking in with lights. We saw them coming. I said to my friends we have to tell them what just happened. We couldn't let these kids go in there without warning. We told them what happened and all of us were clearly shaken and rattled. We got into the car and drove back to my buddy's place in town. For three hours we tried to rationalize and reason what it was. You couldn't think of any animal that checks all the boxes of the behavior. If it was somebody messing with us they were in the middle of nowhere without a light throwing large rocks and moving silently without a trail. If it was an animal we would have heard it moving. If it was something in the water we would have heard it displacing water while moving. I know this area like the back of my hand. I'm terrified to go back outside again and afraid as soon as the sun goes down. We all felt like we were lucky to get out of there. I was excited about spring and summer and to get back out hiking again, but I am terrified at the thought of it. When my grandmother passed away, a wall clock she had owned and loved very much, that by the time she passed away was in my family's possession, started ringing, probably about 20-30 times. It hadn't worked for about three years. Me, my brother and our mom was pretty creeped out, until dad called from the hospital a short while later and told us that my grandmother had passed away just shortly before the incident. Both creepy and kinda beautiful in a way, since me and my brother had been her two favorite grandchildren and I suppose that was her way of saying her last farewell. My name is Ali and I'm from Birmingham, UK. 
It was April 2017 and it had been raining pretty heavily for a few days so there hadn't been any children playing outside. However, on my way back home from work, it must have been around 6.30 or 7 p.m. I saw two children playing in the rain. I thought nothing of it since I did it as a child. It always rains in the UK so we just learn to adjust to it sometimes. A few hours later, I was leaving my house to go to the gym as I do most evenings and these two kids are still playing in the exact same spot. I thought maybe their parents told them to not move too far away from the house which made sense. So I just carried on my way. I was returning home from the gym and it was now 9.35pm exactly and these kids were still there. Only this time they acknowledged that I had seen them and the younger of the two approached me and simply asked if I would let them in because it was raining and their parents weren't home. I was going to let them in until I saw their eyes. They were completely black. The entire eye, black as coal. The brother began to approach. It looked as though he was older. The younger sibling was defiant and definitely in charge. She asked again, this time with more anger in her tone. Just let us in. I stood frozen in fear, so I said, let me get you some help and then I turned away and sprinted to my house, locked the door, and ran to the window upstairs. I could see the kids still there. Now, this is where it gets weird. I took out my phone and thought, let me take a snapchat of this and warn others. As soon as I took the picture, they both looked up into the window like they knew what I was doing and my phone, which was 65% battery at the time, just died. I plugged the charger in and nothing. It wouldn't even turn on. It's just dead. I looked back out the window and the kids were gone. The next day I went knocking on the doors of my neighbors and none of them had children except one couple who had one child but is only 6 months old. I definitely believe I had an encounter with something else. A few months ago, I experienced something that still sends shivers down my spine. It was just an ordinary night, and I had drifted off to sleep after a long day at work. I was snuggled comfortably under the blankets, enjoying a peaceful slumber. Suddenly, I woke up with a start, as if something had jolted me awake. My heart was racing, and I blinked a few times, trying to adjust to the darkness that enveloped the room. That's when I saw it, the outline of a person standing right next to my bed. In the dim light, I couldn't make out any features, but I assumed it was my boyfriend, who must have come home late from work. I let out a nervous laugh, trying to shake off the fear that had gripped me. Oh my god, you scared me, I said relief washing over me as I realized it was just him. He climbed into bed, and I reached out my arms, eager for the comforting embrace of his hug. But instead of feeling the warmth of his body, my arms found nothing but air. My heart skipped a beat, and panic set in. I fumbled for the bedside lamp, quickly turning it on to illuminate the room. My eyes darted around, searching for any sign of my boyfriend, but the room was empty. The realization that I had just seen an apparition hit me like a ton of bricks. My breathing became labored, and I felt a cold sweat forming on my brow. I couldn't bring myself to turn off the light or close my eyes, fearing that the figure would reappear. For the rest of the night, I lay awake, clutching the blankets tightly around me, jumping at every little sound. When morning finally came, I hesitantly shared my experience with my boyfriend, who tried to comfort me, suggesting that it was just a vivid dream or my imagination playing tricks on me. But I knew what I had seen and felt, the terrifying presence of something that couldn't be explained. Since that night, I've never been able to shake off the lingering fear that the mysterious figure will return. Every time I go to bed, I can't help but remember the chilling moment when I reached out for a comforting embrace, only to find nothing but emptiness. When I lived at my parents' house my mom would come into my room every night and kiss me goodnight, clear up until I moved out. When I was 17 I had pushed my bed into the corner of my room, parallel to the door. I got into bed and was trying to sleep but I couldn't for some reason. I was tossing and turning. 
Finally I got comfortable and was laying there with my back to the door and I start hearing carpeted footsteps coming down the hallway. I turn and glance at the clock and it's 11.45pm and I'm thinking why is she coming so late? I turn back and decide that I'm going to pretend to be asleep because I'm tired and want to go to bed. I hear her footsteps come into my room and then walk across my room and stop at my bed. She leans her hands on my bed and my bed kind of creaks and my body tilts a little. I hear her lean over me because my ear sounds like there's something in front of it. That kind of muffled feeling when there's something close to your ear. And she just sits there. And I'm like, WTF? What is she doing? This is so annoying. So I quickly turn around and say can I help you? And I choked on the you because there was no one there. My stomach just dropped and chills ran over my whole body. I sat up and backed myself into the corner of the bed and just sat there shaking. I couldn't move. I ended up calling my boyfriend crying because I was so scared. I had something highly strange occur in 2015, another incident in a lifetime of inexplicable experiences and I would appreciate any thoughts that you might share with me concerning this event. I read the obits in my local newspaper occasionally, as I sometimes worry that one of my old friend's parents or someone I have known has passed on and I would want to express condolences. My own parents died suddenly, very close together, and I know how important that expressions of sympathy can be. This concerns an obit that I read last summer, I noticed it because the woman was a prominent lady who was a high school friend of my mother's, and also the mother-in-law of my son's cousin. She had died of cancer, and it was doubly sad because her granddaughter was going to be the queen of our local Rose Festival the following October. This is a great honor in our city, and the woman herself had actually been a Rose Queen in 1955. Her granddaughter is the daughter of my son's cousin James. So my son and I discussed the news at length. He was getting married in November of that year and was inviting members of that family to his wedding. So I actually shared the news of her death with a few people, and remember that well. Imagine my surprise when I read the local obits in June 2017 and saw that she had died recently. The story of her death was prominently featured, and I read it, in disbelief and utter shock, again and again. I called my son and he was confused as well, as I had already reported her passing to him two years previous. What can this mean? Did I have visual precognition of her death, two years before it occurred? Did I experience a time slip, going into the future to read her obit? Or did time curve back on itself and confuse me with a double death? This event has truly been worrisome to me, am I losing my mind and memory? The week before Memorial Day in 2017, I had the random thought that a distant great aunt of mine had passed and called several relatives to inquire about it. No, she was not dead, but no one knew anything about her situation if she had been ill? Was living with her daughter? She was 92, but 8 days later Elle got the news that she had actually died 6 days after my phone calls. What are your thoughts? During high school, my boyfriend and I decided to sneak out one night and head to the lake. It was a secluded spot, and we thought it would be the perfect place to spend some time together, away from the prying eyes of our parents. The night was pitch black, and the only light came from the faint glimmer of the moon reflecting off the water. We found a park bench next to the shore and started making out. As we got more and more into it, I suddenly heard a strange sound coming from the water. I told my boyfriend to stop and listen, and we both went completely silent. The sound was like someone or something swimming methodically, as if they were trying to sneak up on us without being detected. The mysterious swimmer got closer and closer, and my heart started pounding in my chest. I could barely see anything in the darkness, but I could still hear the splashing and feel the tension in the air. It felt like whatever was in the water was about to reach out and touch us. Unable to take it any longer, I let out a scream, and we both jumped up from the bench and ran as fast as we could away from the lake. We didn't stop running until we were sure we were far enough away from whatever had been lurking in the water. 
To this day, I still have no idea what was in the lake that night. Was it a person trying to scare us? Or was it something else entirely? Whatever it was, the memory of that night still sends shivers down my spine whenever I think about it. That experience taught me a valuable lesson. Sometimes, the scariest things can happen in the most unexpected places, and the unknown can be more terrifying than anything else. I have a buddy named Corey, childhood best friend and next door neighbor. In the summer before 10th grade we had a sleepover at our mutual friend Mark's house. Mark's mom was super chill and always hung out with us. One night she brings over a Ouija board and suggests we play with it. No big deal. Being the music fans we are we ask it stupid shit. Let me speak to the spirit of Jimi Hendrix, Bob Marley, etc. The planchette was moving and we all swore it wasn't us doing it purposefully. At one point, Mark asks it to prove it's real, always a bad decision. From under Mark's bed, 20 pounds free weight slid across the floor and hit an adjacent wall. Freaked out, we stopped for the night. Throughout the next few weeks we would go to Mark's house, sleep over, do the Ouija board. We decide to set up some basic recording equipment, ask questions, and play the recording back to try and hear things. We did get some faint noises, I'm not convinced it was anything but Mark was, and so Mark got creeped out and gave the board to Corey. Now that Corey had it, him, myself, and his GF at the time Katie used it much more frequently. We were at till asking stupid questions and getting dumb answers. After about three months of this, all of that changed. The Ouija board started responding oddly. We would ask, what's my mom making for dinner? And the board would spell out the rotting corpses in your walls. It would start to try and touch the four corners, make the infinity symbol, and go through the alphabet backwards, all bad signs. Corey became obsessed with it. He started doing the Ouija board alone, which is also a bad idea. While using it, he would ask it to do things and it would, stand up on its tip, climb a wall, shoot out from under our hand. The planchette started feeling heavy and would leave drag marks on the board. I got creeped out. I told Corey we should stop. He didn't. Corey, still very interested in things like this decided to try automatic writing, whereby you ask the spirit to use your own motor skills to move a pen and write on paper. Corey, who is left-handed, grabbed the pen with his right hand slightly contorted, starting writing shakily. First the alphabet, then words. Unfortunately I don't remember exactly what he wronged but it was scary to see. Corey started acting weird after that. We were in chorus in HS and while singing his right hand would move around and practice writing on the sheet music. I remember on day he wrote, Josh wants Katie. Don't let him get her. He would start jabbing me with his pencil when we were next to each other and other weird behaviors. Being both raised Roman Catholic, we were a part of a local youth group that prayed the rosary every Monday night. Corey's dad would drop us off, mine would pick us up. One night in November it was raining and my dad came to pick us up at about 9.30 p.m. Corey decided to decline the ride and said he would get a ride with someone else. Okay? Weird. But whatever. He calls me close to midnight that night and says he blacked out during the prayer meeting and came to while standing on the bridge near our home in the pouring rain staring at the water below. For context, we live in Riso in November, it's cold especially at night, especially when it's rainy. At that point I urged him to get rid of it. After I started trying to get Corey to get rid of it, I started being attacked. I would get woken up in the middle of the night after feeling like someone flicked or tapped me on the forehead. I would get woken up and be half off my bed like I was dragged out. I would wake up and see all my blankets folded on my bureau across the room, I am a very light sleeper. I called Corey and told him I was going to get rid of it myself. He gave me the board that afternoon. The night before I got rid of it, as I was sleeping I was jolted away. It had felt like something grabbed my arm. The hand felt bony, cold, and like it had very long fingers. 
I stayed up the rest of the night sitting on my bed, all the lights on, scared shitless. The next day, based on info I found online, I cut the board up into seven pieces and buried them separately in a nearby old historical cemetery. I ended up having a bruise on my forearm for the next two weeks. I haven't had any related instances since. Corey probably has additional info he could add to this as well but this is all I got. He has mentioned having really messed up dreams and he had other experiences at this time, but I don't know enough to tell them. An old friend of mine and I planned a trip to Isle Royale in 2008. We have been on a couple of adventures together. Boundary Waters, Appalachian Trail, so this was just another awesome week to get away and enjoy the outdoors. Which we did end up doing, but man did we have one hell of a time. On the third night, I was out going to the bathroom when I thought I heard something move a few yards away. I stopped for a moment and almost went to investigate but decided that it was nothing and headed back to camp. That next morning we packed up camp and while getting ready my buddy, David, called me over to him. He was right outside our campground, and he pointed out two sets of wolf tracks. I about shit myself realizing what that noise was the night before. So we finished packing our bags and kept hiking. Neither David or I would wander more than 10 yards away from one another from that point on. The last night we were getting our bags set in a tree so the bears and mini bears wouldn't get to them. When all of a sudden my friend said he saw something move. I looked and didn't see a thing, but I didn't question him. We grabbed our flashlights stoked the fire. Neither of us slept that night, I didn't see anything or for that matter hear anything that night. Once the sun came up, we got our packs down and cleaned up our campsite. When we were about to leave David went and checked the place he thought he saw something. Sure enough man, this dude found another set of tracks. I finished packing my shit, we got to the docks, and I looked at him and said, never again. To this day neither of us have gone camping. Growing up in Montana, I was no stranger to the wild beauty of nature, but one particular incident still stands out as the most thrilling and terrifying experience of my life. One summer day, three of my friends and I decided to go for a hike on some private property on the outskirts of the city. We were all eager to spend time in the great outdoors, and nothing could have prepared us for what we were about to witness. As we trekked through the woods, we suddenly heard a commotion coming from the steep tree line nearby. We saw a deer sprinting down the slope as if its life depended on it, and that's when we saw it, a massive Sasquatch emerged from the woods and pounced on the deer. The deer tripped, and they both landed just about 15 feet away from us. We were all stunned, our hearts racing with a mixture of fear and adrenaline. Without any hesitation, we ran down the hill, trying to put as much distance between us and the scene as possible. We waited, hidden behind some trees and bushes, watching the area where the Sasquatch had disappeared with the deer. After what felt like an eternity, the creature emerged from the tree line, dragging the deer by its leg. We watched in awe as it vanished back into the woods, taking its prey with it. The encounter left me with an uneasy feeling, and for over a year, I couldn't bring myself to venture into the woods at night. Despite the fear that it instilled in me, I can't deny that it was the most incredible thing I have ever seen. I'll never forget the day that I came face to face with a Sasquatch, a legend that had suddenly become a reality right before my eyes. My Nana's house has a bit of a sad history. The house was built on a plot of land as a dream home for a newly wed and pregnant couple. Shortly before move-in day the wife was shot and killed while getting off a bus downtown. The husband, in his grief shortly after killed himself. The house then went to market and my papa bought it for Nana. They were also newlyweds. As time went by, weird things started happening in the house. Little things like lighters would go missing, or the remote which was on the coffee table would be found under the couch where you could hear the pool balls from the pool table crack even though they were in their case. 
This freaked my papa out, but Nana was much harder to scare. Every now and then you'd see scratch marks on the cathedral ceilings only to hire a painter and they are gone the day he would show up, this happened on four occasions. Still, Nana was not scared. Shortly after, Papa had an accident and he passed, this left Nana alone in the house. Years pass, and in my teens I move from my country and in with Nana. I'm walking to the kitchen one day and I hear Nana talking, she is saying don't you touch them again, you old witch. I pop into the kitchen and ask Nana who she is talking to. Mabel she replies. I assume Mabel is one of the cats she's rescued and carry on. Every now and then, I hear Nana talking to Mabel, it's usually don't you touch this, or would you stop that playing with the lights, knocking over a fan, it never occurs to me to address it. Till one night, I have this horrific dream about a woman being shot. I wake up terrified and I see almost like a dark shadow fading from the foot of the bed. I'm completely freaked out but just think it's my eyes adjusting after being bolted awake. The following morning I tell Nana about my dream over breakfast. Oh, that's just Mabel, she'll come to you from time to time, I was wondering when she was going to show herself to you she says. I'm taken aback, and Nana tells me the Mabel story and how Mabel was the wife. I ask Nana is that who she's been talking to and she confirms it is. As time goes on, little things start to go missing as usual, and I'm creeped out at first, but make a game out of it by hiding things and moving glasses when family is around and saying, oh Mabel Nana's cigarettes go missing, must have been Mabel. Mabel one night on Christmas Eve decided to walk up the stairs and her footsteps got a little too close for comfort and I shouted stop it Mabel, you're scaring me and they stopped. Fast forward again and I've moved out of the house, Nana has passed away and me and my sister are tasked with going through her things. No one has been in the house for months, the power has been turned off and me and my sister enter the home after sundown. Once we're on the front landing, from the landing you can see the downstairs to the left of us and upstairs to the top landing, standing in the entryway something just didn't feel right. We go upstairs and start to collect some things, I'm going through Nana's china and my sister walks into the dining room and says tell me you heard that? What? Tell me you hear that baby crying? I stop. Listen. And I do. It's very faint and it's coming from the basement. I ask my sister if the TV in one of the basement bedrooms could be on, she reminds me the power is cut. I ask if it's a neighbor, but we live a quarter mile from anyone. We walk to the living room and I lean over the landing and sure as hell there is a baby crying. I tell my sister to call the police and I go down slowly to the second landing, my sister exits the house. From the second landing I slowly proceed towards the basement, fearing a crackhead or something may have broken into the empty house and made this place their home. When I get to the bottom of the steps, what I felt can only be described as what you feel when a car is close to you with an incredibly loud bass system, where you feel and hear the sound and your hair stands on end, except now the baby crying has turned into an all-out, banshee scream, as if someone was in anguishing pain. I turned and ran up the stairs slamming into my sister on my way out the front door, and we both book it as fast as we can to the car. I'm shaking and my sister is panicking, she heard and felt it from the front porch. We throw the car in reverse and reverse all the way down Nana's driveway, eyes on the front door almost expecting someone to run out. But no one does. Two officers arrive and we explain what happens, they enter the house and find nothing. No signs of forced entry and nothing disturbed. To this day I'm convinced it was Mabel. When I was younger I used to go to work with my parents at a newspaper company. My best friends at the time and was super religious guy and my older sister. I was around 7 at the time. As kids we loved to explore everything which included the cemetery right next to the factory. One day we were gonna go when my sister needed to use the bathroom. At the time my older sister was a bit of a tomboy and despised the color pink. She went into the hallway which had the bathrooms while my friend and I waited outside for her. When she came out two minutes later she was completely changed with pink clothes and glasses. 
I found this odd but I brushed it off. When I asked if we were ready she got defensive but said yes which also struck me as odd. My sister was not the aggressive type. When I go to pat her on the shoulder she immediately moves out of the way. She then says that she forgot something in the bathroom and runs back into the hallway. I shit you not, not even 10 seconds later my sister comes back out wearing what she had on when she went in the first time. My friend and I asked her why she changed again and she looked at us confused and though we were joking. Obviously scared as shit my friend and I ran and didn't go exploring that day. We didn't even go near that bathroom. Fast forward about 13 years and I'm 20 already. I've thought that the whole thing was a fever dream I had and my sister randomly brings it up. She tells me her side which was basically that she went into the bathroom and she felt like she had eyes on her the whole time then when she came out she saw something dart into the men's bathroom. Had a Great Dane, about 2 years old and 150 pounds. Walking in North Hampshire with him on an 8 feet lead but just letting it drag as he walked in front of me. Dog turns the bend before me by about 10 feet and immediately posted up, like he saw something. Figured it was a deer and started calling him back. Nope he takes off. I run around the corner to see him chasing a 200 pound, I'm guessing, black bear. Not huge but big enough. Dog thinks he found his long lost friend and new playmate, bear thinks he's under attack. As he chases the bear, the bear turns and posts up on him. Again dog thinks he's playing so he's does the front paw dance. This happens twice, all while I'm screaming my freaking head off, to the point I bursted a blood vessel in my eye, trying to call him back so he doesn't get killed. Finally he realized I'm pissed and starts running back to me. Well as he does the now fully pissed off bear gives chase. Dog comes right to me and sits next to me. I stand there in shorts and an under armor shirt without so much as a stick. Charging bear. I'm thinking it's me or my dog and I'll kill for my dog. I stand in front of him waving my arms screaming as deeply and loudly as I possibly could. Bear comes within 15 feet at full speed lunges to a tree and climbs up about 20 feet, perches and makes this hissing growl like nothing I've ever heard. I tell the dog truck. Now. He heads back down the trail while I slowly walk backwards still screaming and waving my arms trying not to shit my pants. I round the corner and lose sight of the bear but could hear his claws descend the tree and could hear him faintly in the woods. Never been so scared in my life. Now I never go hiking without bear spray and a .45 and always hold the leash now. <laughs>